Morihiko Nakahara has been the music director of the South Carolina Philharmonic based in Columbia, South Carolina for the past 12 years. He is also the resident conductor of the Spokane Symphony Orchestra and also serves as director of orchestral studies at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. What you just heard was the South Carolina Philharmonic performing Mozart's Symphony No. 38. My name is Alan Cooper and I am the host of the Who's on the Move podcast. This interview is part of a video series that we are doing in partnership with the South Carolina Arts Commission and Nephron Pharmaceuticals, highlighting artists making an impact on our local communities. The five-minute video version of this interview can be found on MidlandsBiz.com. My title is Conductor and Music Director, um, specifically with the South Carolina Philharmonic in Columbia, South Carolina. The art form then is, is music, but it's specifically conducting. If I demonstrate what I normally do as a conductor, it actually does prove a point in that it does not make any sound. So we're the only ones on stage usually. Conductors are the only people on stage who do not make a sound. We absolutely rely 100% on everybody else on stage. You know, do conductors make a difference? Like, have you really felt at, at a time where you, if you are on your art form, the music just comes alive more than an orchestra that would be unconducted. That, uh, you know, why don't they just play on their own? You know, it's, it's an interesting, um, that is an interesting question. Um, really to answer it, I think it helps to kind of almost go back to the, the origin of conducting a little bit. Um, you know, you talk to any professional musician Conductors are like, we are sort of like a necessary evil <laughs> times. And, you know, when you go, when we go back a few centuries ago, when these, what we consider now classical music, classical canon was being produced, a lot of these earlier pieces did not require a conductor because they were written for smaller forces of musicians. And essentially what would happen then is the would be the lead violinist who would be sort of equivalent of concertmaster in today's orchestras would would cue with his or her instrument basically by nodding or just looking at his or her bow to signal when to start when to end um, how long or short to play certain notes it was it was the, there was a visual cue that everybody in the ensemble could follow or, or a pianist or keyboard player might show that, uh, give those signals from the, so really chamber music essentially is how it started. As the ensembles got bigger and bigger, they needed somebody to keep time and to, to kind of give at least a signal of here's when we begin and here's when we end this note. And that's sort of how conductor really came about and as, as composers later on, as we get into the 19th century and 20th century, as composers started writing for much bigger ensembles, it just became more of a, more of a, a necessity really. Do conductors make a difference? I think part of that, each individual difference comes from where that interaction is between the, between the, the conductor and an ensemble. And it's different. It's, I notice it's different with, with different orchestras. Um, it might be the same piece of music I'm conducting. I might be still doing, you know, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony with that famous opening. 
for something like that when when i when i conduct it with one group it 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 does feel different than when i go to another group it's because of the makeup of the ensemble how they are used to reacting um there is a lot of sort of un unspoken communication right it's a lot of it's visual cues we do it we do it by using our ears uh using our eyes more so than speaking in you know in obviously obviously during the performance but you know to a large extent during the rehearsal um as well one of the questions i ask everybody is what is your intention as an artist what i try to remember every time we take the stage is that the music touches everybody in a different ways. We can't really uh, force a meaning or an affect to a particular piece of music for everybody because, because we all react to sound and music in a different, different unique way. So our job is to do the best, to the, do the best of our ability, bring the music to, to its fullest life for our listener to to take it however way they want to or they need to at the moment and you know it might be vastly different you take two members of the audience and you know one might be looking for some kind of energy and inspiration one might be looking for solace mm -hmm. and they might be a mourning or something and and yet the same piece of music can reach both of those people at the same time so yeah, our job is to really, ideally, ideally speaking, our job is to really let the music speak for itself. I think the best um, performances I feel are always the ones where the music comes out so naturally, just naturally from, from all of the musicians and, and then goes into the audience, you know, rather than kind of forcing it, uh, trying to make something out of something um i think it's it's better when it the whole process feels more organic and and natural so i think that's what that's what we try to you know aim for in the in the in the performance setting at least i was interested that you you are you're teaching conducting can you maybe kind of just start with how you hone your craft and how you teach it um, that could be like a whole two hour uh, <laughs> But no, you know, teaching conducting that that is an interesting, um, interesting craft in itself is teaching conducting. Part of that reason is because, well, first of all, everybody's built differently. So what you will notice is if if my graduate students, let's say, I can't tell if they're trying to copy me to do something because I recognize the move. <laughs> and number two, the chances are, I see what they're trying to do, but then it doesn't work with their, the way, they're, the way they carry themselves, the way they're built. The, some of the, the basic tenets of conducting is universal. So before you start, there's always some kind of upbeat. So that's literally an upward motion it's as though if you were playing certain instrument, this is when you would breathe because you need air to play. Um, and this is sort of ready, go type of, you know, 
that's what sort of if you were speaking that's essentially like ready to go so that we call that prep preparation um and then once you start i mean the basic shape of the beats are the same if it's in four four time it's going to look the certain way if it's three four like a waltz or something it'll look the same so the shapes physical shapes literal shapes are basically similar uh you you'll see some conductors who use very sort of a unique shapes than the others, but you know, they get used to it. Um, so physically speaking, it's easier to teach, it's easier to teach the basic gestures. What's more difficult to teach, and that's the process, every conductors in learning, young conductors, even, even slightly more experienced people like myself, uh, we go through is how, how do we make this our own thing and i think it's different because everybody's built differently so so why what, what i try to do is to try to find out first from each of my students what is it that you how how do you hear the sound in your head what is the sound you're hearing what is the pacing how fast or how slow what kind of intensity of sound what are, you know how do you hear it and that's the really the, the the biggest challenge for us, I think, is that sort of oral imaging of the music. And then how do you translate that into what our body does or what our hands do, what our the entire body does to to describe that sound or to elicit that image uh, from from the musicians. And that's where that's where everybody uh, needs to develop his or her own way. What's the, what's the formula here for keeping this art form alive? During this sort of the shutdown, you know, period, because I think it's, this is a great time to, to reflect and, and strategize also on, on how, not only on what we play, but how we, how we reach people. When you think of, you know, 20, year 2020 was celebrating uh, Beethoven's 250th birthday. And when you when we look at Beethoven's music, and how how it's still so popular today, but then to realize also at the same time that when he was writing these pieces, some people were completely put off by it because it was so sometimes it was so new. Um, it is a living art form, so you know I think it's and there are there are challenges and rewards of society today that's that is reflected in the works the works of these creators be it composers playwrights filmmakers visual artists uh, choreographers and you know our i i consider uh, an important uh, facet of my work as, as a music director is to to make sure that the art form, the symphonic music, keeps on thriving and growing. So one way to do that is to, to, to encourage and promote the creation of new works. Um, there are many composers who are now um, utilizing modern technology, <laughs> um, uh, electronic, electronic elements, uh, you know, into the music. So you know it's it's it, you know it's it's fun it's 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 um it connects it connects our art form 
I think, with a wider, wider audience um, uh, as well. And, you know, throughout history, we look at composers like Mozart, even Beethoven, Brahms, uh, Dvorak, for sure. All these composers, great composers of the past who were very much in tune with the, the popular music of the day, of their day, the, the popular dances of their day, popular music, folk songs, what have you, folk dances, folklores, and, and you incorporating those elements into their work. So it's, it's something that composers have been doing uh, throughout, throughout you know, the, the classical music canon, and, and people continue to do that today. That was our interview with Morihiko Nakahara, the music director of the South Carolina Philharmonic. This interview was sponsored by the South Carolina Arts Commission and Nephron Pharmaceuticals. Thank you.